Need a recap of Sunday's readings? It's time for Homily Highlights on Mater Day Radio. Today's homily highlight from our good friend, Monsignor Gerard O'Connor, rector at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Portland. In 1936, Dale Carnegie, I think someone told me it's Carnegie, but in England we always pronounced it Carnegie. But uh, Dale Carnegie wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's still to this day one of the largest selling books of all time. And in that book, Dale, who was a consummate salesman, gave some tips about how to deal with people, how to make yourself more popular, that sort of stuff. So a lot of people wanted to to read this. And in fact, he went on a tour, a worldwide tour, I think, of giving lectures about the book. And many thousands and thousands of people went to listen to uh, Dale Carnegie. And in fact, interesting fact, Warren Buffett, one of the world's wealthiest men, went to one of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence courses when he was 20 years of age. And he keeps the participation certificate in his office on the wall in Oregon, in the, sorry, Omaha, where he works. Um, so, you know, the basic principles, how to win friends and influence people, stuff that we probably all know on if you've worked in a company and gone on a management course, the stuff they tell you, especially if you're in sales, you know. One of the big things, Carnegie, was like, smile at people, right? It's better for you if you smile at people and you're trying to sell something. Another little tip is get them to say yes all the time about something. Ask them those answers where, you know, do you like where you live? Yes. Do you, you know, all these answer yes, yes, yes. And then by the time you come to say, do you want to buy this car? They're going to say yes because they've been in the habit of saying yes. You know, these little tips of this business sort of uh, thing. One of the other things he said was never, don't criticize people. There's no point doesn't do any good for either party, so don't criticize. And he says, if you've got to tell someone some bad news, tell them something good first. So this is a classic case of, in my old diocese there, the bishop there called one of the priests in, and he was gonna remove him because he was sort of like, thought he was useless and he couldn't run the parish and everything was going wrong or whatever. And he opened the conversation with, Father Richard, he said, come on and sit down. He said, you know, you've got a really lovely voice. You sing really well. I'm afraid I'm gonna to have to remove you from St. Francis because you're useless. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no connection there. So obviously this poor bishop had been on some sort of stupid management course where he's thinking, what am I gonna say that's positive? And then I'm gonna tell the guy he's useless. Anyway, so all these little tips. So we started this industry of self-help books, right? From that point onwards, everybody's producing a self-help book, you know, from uh, how to you know, do your own woodworking to you know, uh, what do they call that book? Chicken Soup for the Soul, you know, all these sort of books. You know, all those idiot books, Catholicism for Idiots and all this sort of stuff. And it's a, it's a massive industry. It's a $20 billion industry to this day. And I think something like Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, that probably would be classed in this sort of industry of, of self-help. Um, but here's the thing. It's like, it's fundamentally anti-Christian because it sort of relies on ourselves and thinks that we're gonna get this done by ourselves, that we can do this. And that's fine on various little things, perhaps a bit of woodworking or plumbing or something. But in life, not the case. And it falls on this heresy, which is very ancient, 1800 years old, this heresy of Pelagius, we call it Pelagianism, which says that we are fundamentally good and that we can achieve our salvation by our own efforts. 
And you can see why that is totally anti-Christian, right? Because if that's the case, we don't need Jesus. We don't need God to become man and die on a cross for our salvation. We can do it ourselves. Pelagius said basically that Adam's sin was his own sin and it doesn't come down to us. So in his theology, there's no original sin. We were made individually in the image and likeness of God and therefore we are all good and we can achieve salvation and union with God by ourselves. We don't need a Christ to die for us. So you can see how fundamentally this is anti-Christian, this idea that we can do it. And a lot of us live like, like that in our lives, right? So we can do it, we can do this. We don't rely on God. We sort of go off and think that, you know, our own skills, our own beliefs, our own, you know, talents, we can do what we want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. You need Jesus Christ. That's the reality of it all. This idea that we can self-help ourselves to salvation is not the case at all. St. Augustine drastically fought Pelagianism in his time in the fifth century. And it's something that creeps into the church all the time, even to this day. There was an article um, written in America magazine, which is a Catholic magazine, but I think it was by a Presbyterian pastor a few years ago. And he criticized the church in America and said, you've all become Pelagianists. You're all relying on your own selves to get this done. And it doesn't work like that, he said. You all sit around in these meetings and we say, we can build better, we can do this in our church, we can grow our congregations, we can get more people through the doors, we can get more money, all this sort of stuff. I think he was specifically talking about the evangelical sort of mega churches that are out there marketing themselves, trying to get the, you know, the, the, the customers in through their doors. And he said, but it doesn't work like that. The one thing you forget, that this is Jesus Christ's church, and he will determine the success or lack of success that is in it. Yes, of course, we've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We've got to get up in the morning. We've got to witness to the gospel. But at the end of the day, it's Christ's church. He's already won. He's already won this battle, right? And whether the church gets bigger or smaller is up to him. We can't do it. There's a prayer in evening prayer that we say, every day, it comes up once a week, and it's one of the petitions, and it says, Lord, do not let us get discouraged by lack of success. Because that's a big thing in the church, right? When you see numbers go down, and you know, all the things that are associated with lack of people coming to mass, coming to church, believing in Christ, behaving like good Christians, all this, it can be a bit depressing. We can get down about that. But remember, it's in Jesus's hands, it's his church, right? It's his church, not ours. And so that should give us some sort of help there. And um, in this article he says, the other thing is, you know, when you become Pelagianists, you forget to invoke the Holy Spirit. You forget to pray in your efforts, in the things that you do, in your endeavors. He says, this is seen in many churches, parishes throughout the country, where we'll sit down and we'll talk about all sorts of nonsense, about the books, about line items, about money over here, about $20 missing from this line item, it's in the wrong place, all this. Spend hours doing trivial little details of business administration of our parishes, and no one's praying. And no one's praying. That's what you should be doing as the administrator of a parish, is prayer. And I think he's got a very good point, because 
The other side is Pelagianism. We don't need Jesus Christ. We can do it ourselves. Whereas the supernatural side is we got to pray, right? So let us not be Pelagianists. Let us understand that Christ is in charge and that we must be in union with him through our prayer, seeking his, his guidance through the Holy Spirit. And here's one more thing that just sort of links to this perhaps a little bit, I don't know. Um, I was just reading a book called um, it's Fallacies of Social Justice by Thomas Sowell. It's just an excellent book. And um, Thomas Sowell's 93-year-old economist, um, an American, uh, one of those people that's just multi-talented at all sorts of things. But anyway, in, in this particular book, he's talking about consequential knowledge. He's talking about a piece of knowledge that changes everything. And he says, we've all got some of this consequential knowledge, and the consequential knowledge exists in the world, but some of us don't have access to it, you know? Imagine all this, you know, the complexity of doing things. I say the complexity of building a nuclear submarine. Where would you start? Well, I'd, I'd draw a little cigar-shaped thing there and say that's, that's, it's going to look like that. But that's all I know about nuclear submarines or nuclear power and things. I don't know that. I know about theology and liturgy. I'd have to go and talk to a physicist about this sort of stuff, right? So you see the complexity of our life that has come to this point, 2000. 23, of all this knowledge that is built up that lies somewhere that we don't have access to. But he says, there's consequential knowledge, which is the big thing that changes everything. He gives an example. He says, the Titanic. The captain of the Titanic was the best at his job in those days. He was headhunted, he was compared with others, and eventually was given the job and he chose his own crew. He got the best crew he could possibly find and he knew how to sail a liner from England to America. The best one. What was the consequential knowledge he didn't have? It was about icebergs. He didn't know much about icebergs. He didn't know where they were, he didn't know how deep they go, they didn't know whether in his path, and all this. As a result, problems. That's the consequential knowledge that exists in all sorts of areas. And for us Christians, of all this complexity of life and all the knowledge and everything here, the consequential knowledge for us is a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not a knowledge of theology as such, but a knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ, a knowledge of God, of the second person, the triune God who became flesh and blood like us. That is the knowledge, that's the consequential, that's the knowledge that changes everything. It doesn't matter about the other knowledge. It doesn't matter whether we can build nuclear submarines or fix a light bulb or change a plug. The consequential knowledge that affects everything else, no matter how complex and no matter how simple, is a knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. And that is today's homily highlight from Monsignor Gerard O'Connor, rector at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception here in Portland.